Good morning, everybody. Pablo here from Better World International, and today I have um, with me is uh, awesome Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca is the National Accounts Representative and Be The Much organization, which I think it's. Are you are, are you one of the the biggest, or you are the biggest? We are. We are. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, organization which actually specialize in um, in marrow donations and marrow patients matching, right? Mm -hmm. Those kind of yep. things. So, uh, Rebecca, it's it's my pleasure. Uh, we had some questions from our tribe that um, all those people that would like to do something good. A lot of people are scared about donation, <laughs> uh, marrow don donation, and they don't know what are the consequences. There is a lot of different things out there. Some of these people saying, oh my God, it's horrible, it's painful. And some of those information, what we have, it's actually wonderful and technology change and mm -hmm. stuff like this. So, uh, welcome. Thank you. After our small talk, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yes, I agree. I'm happy to share as much information and dispel some of those myths. A lot of people think, it's a real scary process, so I'm happy to talk through it with you and, and get people a little bit more understanding of what we're doing. Okay, so um, I have a few questions for you, and those are easy questions, uh, uh, but from where I would like to start to understand why, uh, who needs the bone marrow, um, why people use that, what is the problem out there so we could grasp and understand what's really going on? Sure. We've got about 14,000 patients that search every year for a bone marrow match, um, and those patients have blood disorders. So basically, when we talk about bone marrow, bone marrow creates your red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. And a patient that has a blood disease, their bone marrow is not working correctly to produce those cells. So what their doctor does is assess their situation, look at what their treatment plan is like, and if they are going to have a successful outcome if they're receiving a bone marrow transplant, that's what they'll suggest. And what needs to happen with a bone marrow transplant is the patient's immune system, which is what's, what's determined by their bone marrow, mm -hmm. um, is reduced using chemo. And then there's a donor on the other side that's getting prepped to donate their marrow cells. Um, so if that patient is, is decided that that's the best protocol, um, the physician will look to the registry, which is, mm -hmm. um, we operate the national registry for the United States, mm -hmm. but the physicians also search worldwide for a patient. And so if there is an exact match found, our staff will start getting that donor, um, what we call worked up, making sure that they're the healthiest potential donor and um, kind of get them set on that protocol. Um, but the, the process starts way before that donor is actually found. Um, we also we need to add people to the registry before we can even um, share potential results for those patients. Um, so we have a lot of staff across the country, actually across the world, adding people to the registry every day um, that are committed to donating if they are called. Um, so we use two different terms. Registry member are those folks that have said, yes, I'd be happy to donate if I'm ever needed. Uh, and then we also have donors, and that's folks that have actually gone forward, donated their product, and a patient has received their transplant. So, what, what's going to what's going to happen with those people if they're not going to receive the donation from the bone marrow? Most of the time, they don't make it. Um, there they are die? they will die. Really, um, a lot of the time, if they are not going to find a match through the registry. There are some special clinical trials that may prolong their life a little bit, um, but without replacing their life 
life providing marrow, they're not going to be able to overcome their illness really? and they will pass away. Yeah. So it's that serious. It is that serious. You can save a life by being on our registry. And it's a pretty simple process just to help somebody. I mean, it's, it's a cure for cancer. Most people don't realize that there is a cure out there already for certain kinds of cancers. And it's something that we provide. We it's provide a, a cure. Mm -hmm. really? Yeah. It's a cure for some parts of cancer, like blood cancer yeah. or something? Yep. Leukemia, lymphoma, sickle cell anemia. There, there are, I think, over 77 different illnesses that can be cured with a bone marrow transplant. Could you tell me, I know it, it might be sad information, but how many mm -hmm. people actually dies because of them not receiving uh, the donation? That's a number I don't have because we only work based on how many transplants we provide. Um, there are times where patients will get a transplant from a sibling um, or they may pass away before a transplant can happen. Um, and we don't keep track of those numbers only because we focus on those that receive a marrow transplant. Okay, and um, could you tell me how big is demand and how you are able to provide, how much you are able to provide? About 70% of those patients, about of the 14,000, um, don't have a match within their family and they come to our registry to find that match. We really want to make sure that we can match all patients, but um, we don't always have a match in our system. Uh, for patients that maybe have multiple racial background, things like that. So there's a need to grow the registry to meet that demand. I don't have those exact numbers in front of me of, of who doesn't get that. No words. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand, so what is this kind of match? Is it the different, yeah. different parts or different uh, kinds of bone marrows? Mm -hmm. And there's so many that it's hard to sometimes find a match? Yep, so what we look at are called human leukocyte antigens, and it's an HLA type. And basically we look at eight of those markers. You inherit four of them from your mom and four of them from your dad. So you've got eight letters um, that have to be an exact match for that patient and donor to work out. Um, and they're all inherited. So if mom is of one ethnicity and dad is of another, you're gonna have a lot more mixtures of letters to have to match up. So mixed race patients um, need to have a mixed race donor. So for example, I'm Caucasian um, of German descent and I have potentially 1400 matches on the registry because I've got a very common HLA marking. Um, and I know that because we have a really cool system on our website that if you know your HLA type, you can kind of do a quick search to see what else is out there. But somebody that might be Japanese and Caucasian has a whole lot less of a chance of finding an exact match because there aren't as many Japanese and Caucasian people on the registry. May I ask what the Caucasian means? Caucasian um, is a, a, a ethnicity term that we use. Um, Caucasian or would be German descent, um, Eastern European, Western European kind of ca Caucasian okay. demographic. Okay, yep. so Caucasian is Western European. Correct. That okay. uh, Western European is considered Caucasian. Yeah. So okay. non-Caucasian would be African, uh, Japanese, Asian. Chinese, Korean. Yeah. So anyone that's yeah non-white. Okay. 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 That's uh, that makes sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how how is that so far in in organization in the inside? How is that so far doing? Is 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 it changing? Like people donating more and more. And is it actually good direction or there is a problem exists out there? 
Sure. Um, we always have more patients year over year that need a transplant, and we don't know if that's because physicians are becoming more educated that this is a great cure for those patients or um, if illness is just rising. Uh, and that's something that um, our transplant physicians look at every year and try to find some trends. Um, but our goal is to really meet the demand of our patients and continue to grow the registry, which we do every year as well. Um, when I started with the organization six years ago, I think we had nine million on the registry uh, that were available, and now we are up to 12. So we've got 12 million people that are out there that have said, yes, they're willing to donate. Um, so growing is good. We really like to see that. And, you know, the young, the young people of today, I say that like I'm an old lady, but <laughs> um, our younger generation are, are more and more committed to helping out patients and are joining on college campuses and at events and things like that, that um, they're really stepping up and saying that they're willing to help somebody if they're ever called. I understand demand is, is growing. So, <laughs> okay. So who can um, donate um, and um, what is the perfect person uh, who can sure. donate? So anyone can join that's between the ages of 18 and 44. Uh, and those are kind of the ideal potential donors that are, are looked at from our physicians. Um, the absolute perfect donor that, we, that gets called 90% of the time uh, is someone that's between 18 and 22 and male. So we want those young men um, that are nice and healthy because their bone marrow is actually nice and healthy as well. It engrafts more quickly with our patients um, and they just have better results. We really, our main focus is patient success rates and making sure their transplant is successful, that it engrafts and that their new immune system or their new bone marrow um, helps them continue life. So that 18 to, to 22 year old we really, really like um, for them to join but anybody that's 18 to 44 can sign up. And to join the registry, it's just a, che a cheek swab. So like a Q-tip, um, they swipe the inside of their cheek, drop it back in the mail, and then they're on the national registry until they turn 61. So they join the registry, making themselves available if they're ever needed to donate. So not everybody that's listed gets to donate. Um, they aren't always needed. So our big focus is to make sure when someone gets that phone call that they are a match, that they say yes. Because someone that maybe joins when they turn 18 may not get a phone call until they're 20, and they may have had some life changes in between there. So our focus is on that commitment because that person could be the patient's only match in the entire world. And if that one donor is not available or thinks that maybe they're not able to donate because of any reason, we want to understand those fears and talk to them about it and help our patients understand that we're providing donors that are going to come through. What about those people who are, who are 30 years old or things like that? Mm -hmm. They're not that much welcome as those people 18? They are welcome. No, it's just that our, our younger donors are called more often. Um, but like I was okay. talking about with, with the antigens, the, the eight markers, yes. um, if there's a rare um, ethnicity or a patient doesn't have very many matches, they are going to take whoever's on the registry that's the best match. Um, we just find that most often the younger donor, if there are two, let's say there are two potential donors for a patient, one is 18 and male and one is 40 and female, they're going to choose the 18-year-old over the 40-year-old. Okay, so basically yeah, what I understand, the first step is registration, and but mm -hmm. I have no idea what kind of number of this kind I have. 
how uh -huh. I should how I should check it how I how I could register you don't even really need to check um, what we do is with that swab that's how we find out what your eight markers are but what so kind of, what kind of what you mean by swab or swab. Yep. Um, so you know, like a Q-tip, like a cotton swab, you clean your ears out with. Okay. <laughs> we have we have special swabs that are called buckle swabs, and um, you can join online or at a drive in person. And you're you fill out a basic consent form, and then if you join online, they send the cheek swabs to your house, and you can swab your cheeks while you're sitting at your desk or watching TV. Drop that back in the mail. And then at our lab, they process those cheek swabs for so, specific so DNA markers. Swabs you mean here, like uh, from, yep. from this one. And exactly. So do you send it only in the United States or all over the world? We have cooperative registries. Um, we register folks that have a, a address in the United States, but we do have um, registries worldwide. So almost everywhere you can find a way to join the registry. Um, and we have all that information right on our website. Um, you're able to kind of find out different registries throughout the world, but you all are listed in a big, huge registry um, whenever a patient searches for a match. So the patient could live in Germany and their donor could come from anywhere. Um, it really just depends on who has joined the registry and, and who's available that have that specific type. Okay, so the first step uh, I'm registering and is it possible <laughs> that you will never call me? There is a big possibility. Um, we we do call a lot of people, but um, about one in 540 people actually get called to donate, and um, so that's a you know a good number. But it's also we would love to have more people that get that phone call. Um, but we do have a lot of people that sit on the registry and just wait for that call. Like I was talking about before with common um, ethnicities or the HLA markers, those that have a mixed racial background or that are non-white typically get called more often because they are less represented on the registry. So if you are ethnically diverse, as we like to call it, um, there, there's a very large need um, for people of different kinds of backgrounds, especially if you have mixed race parents. Um, so if you've got two different ethnicities in your background, it's really great to have folks of all um, backgrounds sign up, but mostly um, we really are looking for people of the, of the diverse ethnic background. Okay, what if I really, really, really want to donate it tomorrow? Yep. <laughs> and uh, so, in, and you're not calling me and not calling me, isn't anything what I could do? No, there's nothing, unfortunately. We have to have a patient that needs your marrow in order to call you to donate. Um, the best thing to do is make sure your contact information is up to date with us um, and that we can actually get in touch with you if we call you. But what we do with a lot of our very excited registry members is ask them to volunteer. Um, we add thousands and thousands of people to the registry every year. So just sharing the information, you know, whether it's on a social media page or telling a friend about it can help because maybe your best friend or your neighbor is the perfect match for a patient, even though you might not be. Okay, and so what is in interesting for me, those are other um, listings or other place, like for example, I understand you have 12 million. Um, mm -hmm. Is it other places that there, for example, there's 200 million or something like this? Um, no, we operate the largest registry, um, but we combine, I think there are about 5 million more throughout the country, I'm sorry, throughout the world um, to, to add to that really? registry. And I can get you the, really? the big numbers. Mm -hmm. So we have the people. largest. Yep. Isn't that sad? 
Yeah. Okay. We need to add more people. That's that's the goal is to try to get everybody that that's eligible to sign up so that we have more people to search through. Okay. And uh, do you have this registry uh, international? For example, let's say I'm in. Um, I'm right now. I'm in Poland, but let's say mm -hmm. after that, I'm in Australia, and mm -hmm. so those are registry are international or actually every. So when you join, that's a great question. So um, if you join in Poland uh, and you move, as long as you still have your contact information updated with the registry you joined, they can find you anywhere. Um, the U.S. is a great example. If you go to university and you know on one coast, and then you move to California. Um, make sure you keep your contact information up to date with us because we can still reach you no matter where you are. And then we have um, a network of donor centers where the donor would actually go to donate the product for the patient. So no matter where you are, um, we'll be able to, to make sure we find you if, if you are a match for someone. But yeah, it's based on where you join the registry, um, and you don't need to join more than once. So, like, if you moved over, if you moved to the United States and you were already a member on a different list, you don't need to join multiple times. Okay, that's cool. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say one beautiful day, you're calling me and say, "Hey, Pavel, we need your bone marrow." Yep. So, what is the process there then? That's great. That's great. So, um, there are a couple different ways to donate. So they would call you and talk to you a little bit about your health history. Make sure you're still in as good of a health as you were when you joined the registry. Um, and you would go forward and do a couple different um, exams. You would get a full physical from one of our doctors just to make sure, again, we're not going to um, you know, disrupt any health conditions you already have. Make sure you're healthy enough to donate. And let's just say you're all good and you are the final choice for that patient. You won't know who the patient is. It's confidential. Um, and that's to keep everybody safe and healthy going through the process um, so that you can't accept any bribes or anything like that. We want to make sure you're doing this for the right reasons, obviously. Um, but your donor center staff person will explain two different ways to donate to you. Um, the first way is a non-surgical blood process, and that's done about 77% of the time. You get a series of shots, and that helps your cells come out of your bone marrow and into your bloodstream. So, first so, of all, I, I have those tests. Uh, am you're I? You're cleared. Know? You're good to go. Yeah, yep. exactly. What about those people who smoke medical marijuana, for example? Oh, that's not a problem. That will be out of your system in time. That would not preclude you from from donating at all. It's things. It's it's larger health issues, like if you've had major forms of cancer. Um, if you've had any autoimmune issues, things that could potentially make your marrow unhealthy for a patient to receive. So basic recreational things are not going to be an issue. And there's a full list of medical guidelines on our website as well. So if anyone does have a question or has a, a history of a medical illness, they can really quickly browse the list and see what it is, why we may not be able to have them donate um, or other ways that, that they can become involved too. Okay, um, all right, so. Um, so you're nice and healthy, you're good tell to me, go. hey Pavel, go to this uh, location, yeah, you're yep. going to get all the tests, uh, physical, mm -hmm. and are you healthy and other stuff, and then you schedule me the place in the- To donate, yeah. donate, and it's going to take one, two, three, four, five days? Sure. So it depends. Um, we estimate that it's about 30 to 40 hours spread out over a six-week 
period of time. So we don't do all this. We don't cram it all into one day. We spread it out for you. So if, you know, you don't have the time to take off from work, things like that, we really work with your schedule so that it's easy to do. Um, if you are asked to donate the blood process, um, they actually have nurses that can come to you to give you some of the injections. Um, what does it mean the what if you ask to donate the blood process? Sure. So when you're donating to the patient, there's two different ways to donate. So when you actually donate your bone marrow, you can either do it through your blood or you can do it through a process where they actually put you under anesthesia and they take a little bit of marrow from your hip bone. Okay. But that process, the under anesthesia hip bone process, is only done um, about 23% of the time. and most likely you'll be asked to donate through the blood process and that's a little bit easier only because you're not going under anesthesia the recovery times much shorter and and that's really how most of our donors are donating so if you've ever been a blood donor before um, they sometimes ask you to donate platelets there's a machine that you hook up to if you donate platelets that takes the blood out of one arm processes it and puts it back in the other arm it's called apheresis um, so that is a similar machine that we use to collect the bone marrow. So most people think you've got to, you know, cut open your bone and do something kind of crazy to donate, but it really is just as simple as having a needle in your arm, processing your blood, taking out what we need, and the leftover blood goes right back in your arm. So you're not out of commission for a few days. You really are just going to be a little bit tired afterwards. Um, but it's a pretty simple process that can take anywhere from six hours to eight hours. Uh, it depends on oh, no. the size. Yep. Or so what about those for 30 to 40 hours? In, over that time? is the time period that everything that you do from your very first call that you're a potential donor to the day you donate. So there's an hour-long phone conversation you'll have with the donor contact representative that talks about all the risks and any, you know, there's no payment to you, um, you know, talking about all of the different um, legal side of, of things and um, that physical is included in that uh, time frame and any travel that you might have to do uh, to go to a donation center. If you're in a rural area, you may need to fly or drive somewhere and we will cover all those expenses. Um, so that is a big time frame that we work again with you and your schedule to make sure we can accommodate it. We do. We cover the whole thing. You don't get paid as a donor, so we don't write you a check and say, hey, thanks for your marrow. But we do pay for all the expenses that you may incur. But I understand you have this from donations and other stuff, right? Yep. Just the people donate and you can cover exactly. those expenses. Yep. We also have government funding to help as well because we are the National Registry for the United States. Um, and all of the other registries, our cooperative registries, have funding in place as well. Um, to cover those costs from general donors from the public as well as um, different grants and things like that that we receive. So that's the funding is all in place for that. Okay, that's that makes sense. Okay, so the actual process of uh, tr like uh, taking my blood and taking yep. what you want and putting it back, yeah. it's around six to eight hours. Mm -hmm. It depends on the size of the patient too. So if you're donating to a little baby, it may not be as long. Um, or if you're a petite person and you're donating to a larger patient, it may take a little bit longer just because we need a little bit more volume. So the doctor decides how much we really sure. need and then it gets um, prescribed that way. Sure. And then after that, okay, so I understand I'm going, you know, to this place and there's eight hours 
Uh, I can listen to audiobook potentially, right? You can do anything you want. We can watch movies. You can have people come visit you. You'll probably have a volunteer that'll come and say hi and thank you for what you're doing. We try to make it as mu as comfortable as possible. Okay, and then I understand I'm coming back home and I probably need to take a long sleep. You may want to take a nap after that, yep. <laughs> Okay. But you're able to go back to do your normal activities the next day. So you're I'm gonna. Not, so I'm not going to be exhausted. No, not to, you would. You would be able to do anything. I would say, except for maybe run a marathon. You might want to take a day or okay. two off if you're really, really active like that. Okay, so it's uh, so I can feel a little bit tired, but just a little mm -hmm. bit. This is real, a little bit. So it's not like I'm going to die the next day. No. Mm -mm. And what we're taking regrows. So the amount of marrow that we take from you, your body will regenerate it completely in four to six weeks. But you, it'll take a little bit of time to regenerate to full capacity. But we don't take everything from you ever. You'll still have your marrow and you'll be making your own cells still sure. throughout the whole time. So, so what is, um, why my body needs this blood marrow stuff? Mm -hmm. um, it, you need it to create your red blood cells, your white blood cells, and your platelets. So okay. basically, bone marrow is the brain of your blood. <laughs> it, it decides if you're hurt, um, you know, that you need more platelets to help stop bleeding. Um, if you have the flu and you need more um, white blood cells to help fight the, the sickness, um, your bone marrow really is what makes your blood. Um, so a patient that needs a transplant, their bone marrow has decided to stop working and not doing what it needs to do. So that's really what we do is we're, we're completely replacing the blood system of the patient with yours. Okay, and I understand one person is uh, saving one person. Mm-hmm. Okay, one to one. Yep, exactly. Uh -huh. Just like a solid organ is a very good example. So if someone donated a kidney, this is just a liquid organ. So it, might, it makes a little more sense to kind of think of it that way. Like if you, um, you know, want to donate your kidney to your cousin, you happen to be the same type, that's okay. a, a solid organ donation. But okay. this is a little different. Okay, so over the time, can I donate a bone marrow multiple times? You can, um, but the most anybody's ever donated is three times. And that is just because we don't know really what would happen if you donated more often. There's not really a need um, for more than that. If um, you do get called multiple times, sometimes it's for the same patient. So perhaps you donated three years ago, that patient may have relapsed a little bit and just needs a little extra bit of your bone marrow. You wouldn't go through the full process again. It's kind of just to top them off, make sure they have enough of the healthy cells. Um, but I have heard of patients or of donors that have gotten called for three different patients. They just have really good bone marrow and they've been called more than once and that's completely safe and they've been testing them and following them to make sure everything's okay with you know the donor's body and and it's been done Rebecca so after the the process I'm coming back to normal life is it mm -hmm. anything else that I can I need to do check in or check out or nope not at all if you ever feel sick or anything that you think may have been a result of the transplant we have um, a donor advocacy group that will pay for a medical test if you want to get checked out, but we've never had an issue, never in all 32 years of us doing this work. Um, so there is no harm to the donor at all. There have been times when our physicals maybe have found something that the donor had that they didn't realize, but it was never a direct result from their donation. Like perhaps 
they had um, a medical condition that they never knew about. Going through our testing, they may have found out that they had a medical issue, but it was not anything that we created. They maybe just didn't go to the doctor regularly and didn't realize that they had a weird bump on their ear or <laughs> something that, you know. So, uh, Rebecca, so let's, uh, I would like to sum up this part and I would like to ask you probably two more questions. <laughs> sure. So, um, right now, what, um, what our listeners uh, could uh, do or they should do is go to your website and first of all <laughs> register, especially if they are in the United States, right? Yeah. Okay, so they're going to www.bdemarch.com. .org. .org. Sorry. Yep, no uh, problem. So org, and they click register and they fill in the process. Then they're mm -hmm. uh, going to receive by mail um, this thing that you're taking to the, the cheek, cheek swab. Cheek yep. Swab, okay. <laughs> and they, they send it back mm -hmm. and they register. And this is yep. the first very important, the first step that we uh, should do right now to... Yes. And because we can save someone's life. Exactly. Okay, and then everybody knows the process right now. Do you listen to everybody? <laughs> so. It's on there too. It gives you a lot more information on the website. I know sometimes it gets confusing really, um, for really me cool to explain website. it, but yeah, it's, it actually has visuals and pictures and it, can, it shows you the actual donation process and there's a lot more answers there. Yes, I, I, I do agree. <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, guys, you, un, under this under this interview, uh, you're going to find a um, web page and I uh, suggest to do it right now mm -hmm. uh, because it's you know it's uh, when you're going to oh I'm going to do this later let's don't uh, lie to ourselves you will probably not so <laughs> it's it's good when you listen this interview it's go to it's good to go right now it's probably going to take you five minutes Rebecca yep yeah at the most okay and if you are really passionate also about the uh, Maro donations, uh, Rebecca, how people can help you? Is like I said earlier, sharing it and telling your friends that it's, it's a really cool thing to do. That sounds cheesy, but being able to save somebody's life without, you know, a lot of risk on, with no risk on your end is, is pretty amazing. Um, doctors get to do it every day, but cool. this is something that we can do. Save a life, you know, with, with just a little bit of effort. Sure. Okay, cool. Um, so guys, you know what to do, you will find the links, go there, register, and uh, let's, uh, let's play our part also, and who knows, maybe you will be the one who's going to this, save someone's life. Okay, so this, uh, this is the first part, I think, uh, is it anything else that we could do right now? Volunteer probably for, uh, oh. for your organization, mm -hmm. what else? Yeah, so hosting drives, we do live drives as well throughout the country. Um, so if there's a school group or a local community group, a church, um, business that wants to host a drive, that's always great too. There's a way on our website too to, to submit that information on hosting a drive. So that is a really great thing to do. You get lots more people involved um, and you're able to make a bigger impact than just yourself. Okay, Rebecca, if someone is not in the United States right now, what should we do? <laughs> Yep. Um, so if you go to our website under the About Us section, it lists all of the cooperative registries. Um, so you can see, you know, all the different ones listed out there. So you can know exactly where to join in your country. Okay, that's cool. So guys, uh, bethematch.org and mm -hmm. if you about us, you searching in your country and then you probably requesting the info f from them. And if you probably yep. will not find info, call them 
and they will tell you all the, the details to register. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so this uh, would be number one, Rebecca. That's great. I, I know much more uh, and I understand right now. So only this, uh, this process when you put you to anesthesia, this is this process which might be painful and long. And that, well, you're under anesthesia, you don't feel it. <laughs> um, if you were wide awake, it might not feel very good, but it's a small needle that they put through your hip bone. And again, you're completely under anesthesia, you don't feel a thing. And even then you're not out of work. You might have a little bit of hip soreness, but it's not anything that's going to keep you from your regular activities. Like I said, you may not want to go run a marathon right after, but even in that case, it's nothing compared to what the pa the patient's pain um, and what they're going through with treatment. So, where's this mi myth coming from? This you know, this is so painful yeah. and long. What, what's happened? Is it before that was a painful process? In the past, um, they didn't use the blood processes often, so people just kind of misinterpreted how um, we collected. It's also it is painful on the patient's end because they are going through lots of different procedures. Um, things like that and sometimes they get it confused with what the donor has happened so I think that's what what happens is you're just not sure and who you just hear pain and I think that's what people associate with most things TV and, and movies and things like that have also kind of not done us any good with talking about how painful it can be and then it's just awareness it's telling people that it's it's a pretty easy process to help save a life so we want to share that information that it's you know fairly simple and doesn't take a lot to help. Um, okay, Rebecca, so I know I want to ask you one additional question as an idealist. Uh, I call you guys fellow dreamers around the world. Mm -hmm. So, Rebecca, how do you think how the better world uh, would look like? How the better world will look like, let's say, in the next 50 to 100 years? We made it, the world is different. Mm -hmm. How this world is uh, looking like? Yeah, well, we'd have 14,000 more patients around, you know, they'd, there'd be all these patients that have matches, people are joining the registry, at, it's just second nature, they turn 18, they get their cheeks swabbed, and, you know, it's it's just such a do-good attitude that why not help fellow man if you can, and it's, you know, a simple cure that's within you that a doctor can't offer, it's something that everyday people have to, to provide, so in the future, having everybody being uh, available to donate that would mean there's so many less patients dying there's kids that get to grow up because they've gotten a transplant um there's grandparents that get to see their you know grandchildren grow up and it's really saving lives and i think that's just a huge thing to be able to say you're a part of okay. even if you're not physically doing it by sharing the information you're helping save lives okay and in other areas like if we're going to have the broader look like it how the dream world will look like if you uh, have you ever thought about this one? What could change? How this world will look like? How different it would be? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we could save the next, you know, president of the United States. There could be an infant right now that needs a bone marrow transplant that gets transplanted and grows up to be, you know, an inventor or someone that really just helps to grow humanity in a way. So it's it's kind of a neat dreamer perspective is to see, you know, maybe a patient that would have passed away without a marrow transplant if they get it, maybe that's the next big, big impact maker. Rebecca, thank you so much uh, for this interview. Uh, that's that's wonderful. I really uh, know more. I'm going to register, and uh, this is something what I uh, want to do. And I think uh, when people sharing with me when it's it's came to the blood donation or bone marrow donation, 
a lot of mm -hmm. people want but they lack enough information how to <coughs> how to do it and is it painful or not so uh, because of you Rebecca uh, there is very big chance that you're going to have more uh, signups and who knows maybe you know maybe there will be this very rare uh, person mm -hmm. that's going to be selected just because yeah. of this interview so I would be great yeah. I want to thank you so much for all what you do for the other human beings and for the world. It's, thank uh, you. It's highly appreciated, especially uh, through those people who are listening to us. And I appreciate you a lot, Rebecca, for doing sure. that. Great. Thank you for having me and for sharing the information. This is great. Cool. Okay. Guys, you know what to do. Be the match org. Uh, see you there, and uh, and who knows? We we maybe launch the program like the the next collective goal about the bone marrow. So stay tuned, and see you in the next episode. Thank you, Rebecca, on the time. Thank you.